HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This is Gastronomica, a Heritage Radio Network podcast. I'm your host for today, Jacqueline Rowell. This series is produced in collaboration with Gastronomica, the Journal for Food Studies. Our fall season covers Gastronomica's newish issue, 23.3, now available online. This issue focuses on food and place. It tells the stories of lost places, explores the interplay of food and locality, and considers the social dimensions of concrete spaces, such as the kitchen, the banquet hall, the factory, the winery, and the supermarket. My guest this week is Jed Hilton, joining us to talk about his article, Confronting Sustainability, an ethnography of sustainability on elite British chefs. Jed is an anthropologist at the University of Exeter, where he specializes in the anthropology of food and economic anthropology, and he's also a former chef. His research focuses on the hospitality industry, culinary labor, sustainability, and ethical, cultural, and political issues of food and cooking. Jed, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Jackie. Pleasure to be here. Now, you previously worked as a chef for many years. Generally speaking, how does your background and personal experience working in professional cooking inform your research? And how did you transition from uh, practice to research in the first place? Well, my transition from from practical work in kitchens to academia was primarily influenced by not wanting to do the practical work of culinary labor anymore. That's the honest answer in I was reaching 30 years old and I made the realization that I no longer wanted to be doing the hours and the kind of work I was doing anymore. So a PhD seemed like an easier option and a more enjoyable option at that. Um, Whether that turned out to be the case, I've yet to find out. But my primary, how being a chef influenced my, my research and my research interests is 
an unavoidable aspect and the way that I analyzed and think about the research and think about the chefs that I'm interviewing, think about the ideas is inextricably bound up to that professional history. What I wanted to do and what my motivation was as I worked through the research was to provide a sympathetic position of chefs, of being sympathetic to the incredibly hard work and dedication that these people put into their lives, the incredible hard work and labor and dedication that they have day in, day out to do this work, and their dedication in coming face-to-face with bigger and bigger social and cultural challenges that are placed upon the industry. The industry is faced with so many issues around labor in particular, issues around the abuse found in elite kitchens, um, but also environmental issues. It's coming up face-to-face with issues around sustainability, around biodiversity. These are things that the chefs that I interviewed had no intention and necessarily of getting into, but it's become a byproduct of the industry that they are now forced to confront. They're forced to engage with it. So the motivation of the research is being sympathetic to these grander and ever-expanding external issues and pressures which are placed upon the industry, which they are in a position where they have to engage with it and how they do that, how they take these challenges, how they adapt, how they shape and position their labor in ideas of employee welfare, in terms of economic sustainability, in terms of environmental sustainability. So my position as a researcher is of complete admiration for the amount of work that these people do, how hard it is, and how much is more is being placed upon them year on year. And you've given us a little bit of a preview of, of the research question, and I'm wondering if you can expand on that. So first, initially, you set out to interview chefs about what it means to them to be sustainable in the kitchen, um, in, in fine dining. Um, and you reference in the article broad notions of sustainability um, that you've referenced here in our conversation, locality, labor, animal welfare, biodiversity, social justice. Can you tell us more about the research question um, that was guiding this particular piece and maybe how it evolved over the course? Yeah, so my initial research question going into the PhD was more broadly about how elite chefs, uh, Michelin star chefs in particular, act as ethical leaders and intermediaries of debates around sustainability. So I was primarily influenced or interested in people like Dan Barber and people like Alex Atala. This is primarily through the Netflix documentary Chef's Table, where there's this, I noticed while I was still working as a chef, a broader change in the way chefs were being understood the things that chefs were talking about, especially elite chefs. Obviously, we have other chefs in the UK like Jamie Oliver and who Fernie Whittingstall, who aren't necessarily as big as Dan Barber and Alex Atala, but chefs talking about and positioning themselves as people who are knowledgeable 
and experts on ideas of sustainability and what ethical food systems are, what they look like, how they work, and how they can be communicated to a broader public. That was my initial research interests. As I got into the research fervor, my research questions and research interests changed in the way that, as I've just described, how could they possibly know and deal with ethical food systems and sustainability? Because there's so much, there's so many different ways of thinking about it and talking about it. There are different pressures that they are dealing with creatively in their culinary labor, economically, uh, socially. There are so many different trade-offs and issues and conflicts and tensions which are so varied amongst the many different chefs that he interviewed. They have media pressures. They have different ways of positioning themselves, thinking about their labor, how they want their creativity to look like and be like, that it is eventually no surprise that for them, sustainability is a really difficult thing because they have so much stuff already on their plate that it's putting enough of pressure on them to say that chefs should be influencers or leading ethical debates or changing the way people think about or engage with food is just enough of pressure that while they engage with it would be possibly an unfair label to place upon them when they're already working in a horribly difficult industry, which is struggling constantly, struggling through COVID, struggling economically in general, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I changed the idea of being, let's be sympathetic to what these people are actually doing and how they're facing this big idea of sustainability. And there's so much that's come up here that I, that I want to circle back to the notion of expertise, the confluence of the technical realm and the public sphere um, and also COVID. So, so I just want to bracket those for a minute um, and ask first a little bit about the background of sustainability and restaurant cooking. Um, in your article, you reference the 1987 UN World Commission on Environment and Development Report um, as providing the most recognizable definition of sustainability, um, which I, I think it might be helpful just to, to requote here um, as, quote, the development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs, end quote. Um, when did the discourse about sustainability, talking about sustainability, first start showing up in fine dining restaurants? A uh, good question. I think sustainability goes back possibly even to the 1960s. So a figure such as like Warren Belasco will trace the 1960 counterculture movement in the, the US and people like Alice Waters and, and their influence. So sustainability or environmental concerns in fine dining can be traced back probably to the 1960s. Obviously, that's now developed more exponentially since the 21st century, um, the way I see it anyway. People like Dan Barber really leading the way in that. But then also the slow food movement, 
So the slow food movement starting in Italy as a reaction against industrial agriculture and the perceived diminishment of the local tutoria. It's on the from the beginning of the 21st century changes to a more environmental message. So it becomes an environmental movement concerned with traditional agricultural methods which praise the, the heritage of land, the heritage of traditional farming methods, traditional culinary methods. It takes a more biodiverse agricultural message in slow food, which it didn't initially have. Similar to the introduction to the Michelin Sustainability Award, which I talk about in my article. This was introduced primarily from 2020. But it's another movement, it's another factor which feeds into the idea that fine dining is a sustainable industry or something which is concerned with sustainability. It increases the discourses and the recognition around fine dining and sustainability working symbiotically almost. And this was an ethnography, the research that you conducted actually happened um, right after the launch of the Sustainability Award, the Mission Sustainability Award, is that right? But also during, importantly, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you describe your ethnographic research methods? Describe, tell us a little bit about what the process of ethnography was like um, in, in the restaurant kitchen, but also specifically during covid uh, broadly speaking, when and where and how did you conduct the research? Um, presumably, there were still closures at the time. Um, how did how did the pandemic shape your research? The the pandemic shaped it massively, in the terms of there was essentially no hospitality industry while I was doing this research. So, as I was doing the research, all of the restaurants that I initially intended to research were closed. So it is impossible to actually access and visit these areas. The research methods as such changed to being purely online video calls and qualitative interviews with the head chefs at the various restaurants which I interviewed. So there was no participant observation, which we would initially or stereotypically think an ethnographic study is but being online meant i had greater access and opportunity to interview a greater array of chefs who i initially would not have had the opportunity to anyone researching hospitality will know it's a very difficult industry to get access to these chefs as i've already said have various different engagements not only running their own businesses but having media uh, obligations, having all sorts of different things that they have going on in their lives. So if anything, the restaurant industry being ground to a halt gave me the best opportunity to conduct this research. And it allowed me to research chefs across the breadth of the UK. So while it obviously inhibited certain things of being there, being in the place, being in the kitchen, seeing how ideas of sustainability and ethics are enculturated within the kitchen environment and the team. There are, there are trade-offs in that 
I got to interview more people than I probably initially would have been able to. Right. And, and um, you had mentioned as well the significant demands placed on chefs to be in the kitchen, be at the restaurant, um, to be engaging um, with media, social media, and developing a public um, kind of public platform as well, right? So multiple responsibilities. Um, and this maybe helps us come back to the question about working as a chef um, in the technical sphere, as well as in the public sphere, the public realm, um, which brings together the question of ethics and aesthetics. Uh, so can you say more about this intersection or confluence of good food and good taste? How did it show up in your research on sustainability? The interconnection between the aesthetic quality of an ingredient and the ethical appeal of it is inseparable as far as I see it. In as far as if the ingredient is not of sufficient quality, if it doesn't have good taste, if it doesn't have good a texture, aroma, if it doesn't have these sensuous qualities that we want, a quality that is befitting a Michelin star restaurant, then the ethical appeal or the ethical credentials of that ingredient don't mean that much within this industry. So a lot of the chefs that I interviewed discussed how the ethical production of ingredients were essential in creating better quality ingredients. So the way that it's grown, the way it's produced, more importantly, who is producing that thing becomes key criteria for these chefs to understand the quality of it. The ethical, ethical production of ingredients has its meaning in the way that it produces a quality ingredient. So within a fine dining environment where the quality of the ingredient is key, where creativity, where culinary labor is essential, it's impossible to separate the quality and the ethics of an ingredient. Those things, things have to meet together. So from a practical level, being able to know how good that ingredient is, knowing who produced it, having care for that ingredient, showing that ingredient respect in the way it's handled, the way it's cooked, the way it's presented, the way it's communicated to the customer is all part of this essential process where quality is king in fine dining and ethics is an essential part of that or is becoming an essential criteria within that. Thank you, Jed. And you mentioned um, the word care. And we've also heard a lot about the, the you know, practice of confronting sustainability. I want to ask you more about that when we come back from the break. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. 
Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams of new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And we're back. This is Gastronomica on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jacqueline Rowell talking with Jed Hilton about his new article on confronting sustainability now available in Gastronomica 23.3. Jed, let's talk about the title of your article. Uh, It's called Confronting Sustainability and Ethnography of Sustainability on Elite British Chefs. Why confronting sustainability? What does it mean to confront sustainability? You had mentioned earlier care um, and responsibility, um, but you also, in the article, reference chefs' experiences of ambivalence, ubiquitousness of sustainability, caution, fraudulence. Um, Can you tell us more about your choice of title? Yeah, certainly. So the one thing that the chefs I interviewed had to deal with, or that everyone is essentially dealing with, is this rise of sustainability as a discourse. It's an unavoidable aspect within the society that we're living in. You know, businesses, people, individuals are all dealing with how to be more sustainable, what a sustainable practice looks like, what it is. And the restaurant industry is no exception. So the broader picture is that all of the chefs that I interviewed are dealing with some sort of broader cultural message of we need to be more sustainable. The restaurant industry needs to be more sustainable. As individuals, we need to be more sustainable. So sustainability is everywhere within the cultural terrain in which we're in. The chefs in particular, or the ways in which sustainability is understood within the current scholarship is that chefs easily adapt or adopt to sustainability. That it's a sort of natural, easy process of sourcing things which are sustainable, caring about animal welfare, caring about all of these things and just engaging in it, and it becomes a natural part of the fine dining environment and fine dining practices. My research intends to highlight that it's not as simple as it may seem, that it's fraught with contradictions and conflicts. So the emergence of something like the the Michelin Green Star Sustainability Award would look like something where sustainability is becoming uh, easily adopted into the industry and into practices. But of course, as anyone knows, the Michelin Guide is founded upon a tire company which has its business in destination restaurants, in getting people to travel. So when chefs are awarded this, they're confused as to what the credentials are, how they're being judged, 
and how a company like Michelin is being a, a judgment on what is sustainable. And just to share a, a really, um, I think, great quote to illustrate this from your piece, um, you had said in the article, as one chef told me shortly after receiving the award, quoting the chef, the irony wasn't lost on us. They literally make the thing that makes the car go around. Um, exactly. And that's a pretty clear sentiment across the many recipients who I interviewed who have a green star is they're not entirely sure why they've been awarded it. They're not entirely sure what the criteria is or how they're being judged upon this. You know, and when the Green Star was introduced into the UK, there was one restaurant awarded in 2020. In 2021, that went up to 23. This year, there are 27. So it's becoming more popular, but the there is ambivalence or confusion as to what it means, as to what it means to be sustainable, what their practices are, what they're being judged on, what the criteria are, et cetera. And this is just one particular case um, that you dive into, but as part that feeds into a broader discourse on sustainability within public culture. Um, so are there any good alternatives to the word sustainability, maybe in, in your experience as a researcher, but also maybe words or terms or concepts or ideas that you're hearing um, in the kitchens and coming from chefs? I think that's entirely dependent upon who is talking about it and what they're talking about. There are many alternative phrases or terms that the chefs used to not necessarily use sustainability out of fear of what sustainability means or fear of appearing fraudulent in using that term sustainability. So for Jeremy Chan, who was a key informant in my research, who runs a two Michelin star restaurant from London, he is afraid to use the term sustainability. He doesn't want to appear as if he's misleading his customers. So a term he used was just commitment. He shows commitment to the, pe the people he sources from, shows commitment to using stuff in a responsible way. But he doesn't like to use the word sustainable. For another chef such as Dan Cox, who runs a biodiverse farm down in the southwest England, he was outright in his rejection of using the term sustainability. For him, to sustain something is to maintain it at a low level. So he, instead of using sustainability, he says things need to be regenerative, that regeneration is the only way to think about these things. Sustaining isn't enough. That's just to maintain something rather than to produce something and to improve upon that thing. For another chef, they use the term responsibility. As sustainability is too broad and misleading and it becomes an easy word to use and to throw about. But if you say responsibility, you're acknowledging that the restaurant industry is not perfect, that it is inherently wasteful, that there are things wrong with it. But to say that you're responsible is to mean that you're responsible for the welfare of your staff, the welfare of the producer, responsible for the ingredient, responsible for the product that you're using. So there are many different ways that people do 
either use or do not use sustainability. It depends upon what their context is, what they're thinking about, what they want to position themselves as. And so um, we're hearing responsibility, commitment. Um, in your article, there is also mention of integrity and honesty as, as uh, useful terms, all of which I think um, boil down to or, or kind of really uh, nudge us closer to this to ideas of trust, right, of, of building trust within, within the food system. Um, so with your experience as a chef and now as a researcher on the hospitality industry, what advice would you give to somebody um, on sustainability practice, someone who is just starting out as a chef? Um, or I guess put another way, how can practitioners navigate sustainability within a market model of restaurant cooking? What practical advice would you give to somebody starting out? I would say the main thing, and the main thing that comes through my research and the way that chefs I've spoken to engaging with it, is to know what is unique or special about the chef and the restaurant and the environment in which they are working. So the easiest way to illustrate this is two chefs I interviewed. One based on the southwest coast of England. Harriet Mansell has a very local idea of what sustainability means or what being environmentally responsible or conscious means, where ingredients should be sourced within a 15-mile radius of that restaurant, where the restaurant and the cooking should respond to the natural environment. It should respond to the seasons. It should evoke a taste of that place, of that environment, of what the culture means within that environment. So for a chef like Harriet, sustainability or what sustainable practice means being responsible to a local environment. Another figure who I've just mentioned, Jeremy Chan, is based in London, where the idea of locality doesn't really mean the same. It doesn't mean as much, and it can't be practiced in the same way. Similarly, Jeremy Chan is of Chinese-Canadian heritage. So speaking of ingredients and culinary traditions which are English or based in London, don't have as much resonance to him. Instead, Jeremy's idea of what sustainable is, is a multicultural approach, which gathers ingredients and recipes from Europe, from Asia, from parts of Africa, but primarily the ingredients he sources are UK-based, based in the southwest of England, and are used by independent artisanal producers. He uses grass-fed beef, which is regenerative and biodiverse of the land. So while sustainability or sustainable practices are understood by both chefs, it is the context of what is meaningful to them in which gives that thing value, whether that's locality and food miles or whether that's paying being authentic to multiculturalism, uh, but, but also the artisanal, well-produced ingredient which is responsible to the environment. It's entirely dependent upon the creative position of that chef, where they're located, and what's meaningful 
within their context specific locality. Thanks, Jed. Confronting Sustainability, ethnography of sustainability on elite British chefs just came out in Gastronomica. What are you working on now? Are you continuing to work on sustainability in the restaurant industry um, in different directions, new directions? Um, what's on your plate? I'm hoping to carry on this research, um, especially as we are no longer inhibited by the pandemic. And I would like to carry on this research with participant observation of the restaurants and the kitchens, which I've already researched, to understand how ethical practices and ideas of sustainability are enculturated within kitchen teams, how they are diffused within the knowledge of working, but also more importantly and more specific to the industry is the sustainability of labor. So kitchens are primarily seen as, as an issue industry, especially when it comes to issues of workplace abuse, workplace bullying, with uh, the stress and the difficulties of working in extreme culinary environments and extreme workplace environments. So I'm interested in seeing how chefs are confronting these issues as it becomes more publicly aware, especially in the popular culture, such as television series, such as The Bear, where the stress and the abuse in kitchens is becoming more to light and people are becoming more aware of it, how restaurateurs are responding to that, how they are intending to sustain their workforce, how they're looking to retain people, to train people. A lot of the chefs who I interviewed were hoping to get away from the horrible working conditions, which is historically characterized the industry, whether that's going down to four-day weeks, having even things like proper staff meals, giving people time off, giving people proper training, making people have feel valued in the workplace, not putting such pressure on people. So the way that chefs understand their social environment, how they are intending to sustain their workforce is an area in which there is plenty of research to look into. Thank you, Jed, for joining us today. Listeners will be able to read the full piece in Gastronomica, the Journal for Food Studies 23.3 online now. For more details, visit gastronomica.org. Join us again next week as we talk with creative nonfiction author Nancy Summers about her latest Gastronomica article. And subscribe to the Gastronomica podcast feed on your favorite platform to stay updated on our newest episodes this season. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.